Beverly Asante Pushman. What a pleasure talking with Beverly. Ace the Half is her book. It's about running. Is there really such thing as the runner's high? You know, I've done a decent amount of running in my life, uh, and uh, I don't know if I've ever experienced it. She has a very uh, interesting answer to that. She has a she ran in, in college uh, at a collegiate level, track and field, and then she stopped for a long time, then revisited through friends, and now has a passion for running. We talk about the technology. We talk about you know the, the shoes. The shoes have come such a long way. One of the great pieces of advice she has is if you're going to start running, don't go to kind of a big box store. Go to a runner store and actually get looked at because um, the way you run – uh, plays a big role on what you know what equipment you should have, but the technology, heel striking. We talk about heel striking. Uh, where is running right now? Uh, do you do you, do you can you run a five k? Can you run a ten k? Can you run a, a half marathon? Uh, it was very very interesting conversation with Beverly. Her her view on discipline is a unique one, and she couples it with something that I've never heard before. I've never heard this take on discipline, uh, where she is now in her, in her stage of her life as a mother, as a wife, as a runner, as a coach. Uh, she works for a very big tech firm, but she still does all this running. It's her passion. Uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation with Beverly. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. It's a question. Beverly Asante Pushman, thank you so much for your time today. Is the runner's high a real thing? <laughs> That's a good question. I think it is. I think it is. So, um, yeah, well, you know, when I've been on uh, on long runs after is you do feel really great. I mean, that's the one thing I say I go running because it makes me feel really, really good. So, yeah, mm. I definitely say it is. <laughs> and is there a certain point in the run where you start to feel it? Well, so I would say it's more of a thing that I feel after the run and less oh, of a thing of that I feel like during the run because towards the end of a long run, you're kind of like pushing yourself and you like just want to get there, you know? So yeah, I mean, sometimes you go for a long leisurely run, but um, I'd say it's particularly afterwards that I feel really good. <laughs> mm. 
And you were introduced to, I mean, you were an athlete. You went, you went to, you're a blue devil. You're a, you went yeah. to Duke and, yeah. uh, you know, you, you didn't, it seems to me you didn't get into running because you had to, you just kind of loved this. I think a lot of, we have a big issue here, of course, in the country with obesity, overweight, people need to start exercising. Running would be a great avenue for that. But how did you get introduced and why do you still do it? Yeah. So actually, I mean, it's been a bit of a two phase uh, running phases for me in my life. Right. I mean, I got into running to be very honest with you. Um, it was, it was when I was very young. Right. So I was, mm. um, I was always pretty fast, um, when I was a kid and I was a really, really small kid. I was like, you know, a head smaller than everyone else. <laughs> so, mm. um, anyway, but it was one of those things where I was just incredibly fast. Like people kind of tap me on their back on the playground and so I chase them, you know, to see if they could get away from me. So the boys would be like doing this. And I, I started in third grade, I ran my first race. And then um, the teacher, you know, announced this race and I ran my race. And I'd been, you know, kind of training because I'd always be like trying to get to the front when we're running around this field. And then at the race, I actually like won this race. It was the first race I ever won. And I remember the next year up, uh, the the teacher said, you know, we're going to have another, um, we're going to have another race. And I told him, you know, I won the one last year. He said, well, you know, you may not win this year. And I was like, what? I'm going to have to like defend my time. <laughs> so then I ran the race and I won again. <laughs> so that's well, kind of like- this is girls and boys? It, no, this is just girls category. Girls. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but in training, we actually would train with the boys. I mean, it was just like, you know, we'd run around this field to take us down this field and we'd run around it. And mm. I'd always try to be there first. There was one boy I like just couldn't beat. He was just faster than I was. No matter what I did, I couldn't beat him. But in the girl out of the girls, I was the fastest, you know? And so that's where the whole thing like kind of started. So I started running like cross country and then later, um, track and field and, um, did other sports as well. Um, and I sort of did in high school, I was kind of like a long jumper, high jumper and middle distance runner. So I did like 800, 1500 and 3000. I stopped the 3000 later. But then when I went off to college, uh, the coach kind of looked at me and was like, wow, you're like really skinny. And she was like scared to put me in the 800 meter program. So she's like, you know, I think the 400 meter program be good for you. So I became like a shorter distance sprinter. And it was kind of, it was like kind of cool. And I, but for me, I always like knew at that point in my life, I didn't have enough discipline to like keep running after college. So the mm. minute I left college, like that was the end of it. And I stopped, you know, I stopped running. And, and then I met my husband some years after college and he said, you know, but he heard from all my colleagues that I'd been, or from my friends from college, they've been like this really like athletic person, right? He's like, yeah, you know, why don't you start running again? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's like kind of like never did it. And then in my mid thirties, it was actually something completely different that triggered it. I had this, um, we had this global challenger, it's called the Virgin Go Challenge now. And it's this, um, this step challenge to get office people moving. And I did this and uh, my colleagues that were on the team, like they actually kind of drafted me into this team and they made me the team lead. And they were all like 10 to 15 years older than I was, but they were all kind of like these pretty serious amateur athletes. Like they were all marathon runners, half marathon runners and cyclers. And so I was like, wow, you know, we're going to have to like, I'm going to have to like do something to get a lot of steps. And then, um, I uh, decided we were pretty quick, very high up on the rankings in, in the team, in my company. And so we decided like, we're going to try and win this challenge. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I'm going to have to get some more steps. So I decided I'm going to start running again. And so I declared to the team, I'm going to run a half marathon. But I was like, you know, I didn't know where to start. <laughs> mm. so I had to like figure this out. And, uh, and that's how the whole second phase of running, like this is like 13 years after I'd been out of college. And that was like in my mid thirties. And so that, that was like 
almost 10 years ago now. <laughs> mm. So yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. And now you, you've written books, you, you're coaching it. And, and uh, let's talk about, so, you know, I played soccer all my life and, and, mm. you know, poor coaching would tell us, you know, when you're punished, you got to run. Oh, so, yeah. so many of us at that age kind of, you know, oh, I got to run. That means it's punishment. So we would mm. dread it. It's a terrible way to do it. It's the wrong, wrong way. Um, but when you run, talk to me about, you know, the, the technology, the shoes they have now, those thick foamed running shoes are, are talk about that. And also the heel strike about the technology and the, the style of run. How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, that is a whole science of its own, right? So I'm certainly not an expert on that. But I, you know, what I really recommend people when it comes to shoes is seriously find yourself a running store. Um, you know, don't go to like a sports store or like mm. a sports preference store. Like really go to a running store because there's so much technology and it changes, right? You're talking about like those thick soles, like the hookahs, right? There's like so many different kind of shoes and every person's foot is very different. And people hmm. like, you know, the way they pronate, like they move their feet is different. Wow. And that needs to be looked at by someone who kind of has an idea of what they need to look for. And also, you know, for some people, they have um, insoles in their shoes. And that's also very important that you take them along because they need to go in the shoes when you're testing the shoes. And there's like a whole world of knowledge around that topic, because that can, that's also like a really important thing for people to stay safe and protect their limbs when they run. Because, you know, running is a sport that you can get injured if you if you overdo it or if you don't have the right equipment. So you do have to be a little bit careful, but it's also like the shoes can be a core foundation for, for being safe when you run, right? I mean, shoes is really the only equipment in running, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the sport. You know, it's a pretty cheap sport, to be honest with mm. you, because the mm. only real thing you need is like really like you said, a pair of shoes, maybe a, like, you know, a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. Or if you live in a cold area, long pants and like a little light jacket. But you don't need a lot of equipment. It's beautiful because you can go running when you're on business trips, you know, if you're training for a race. Um, so my husband used to he used to he used to travel a lot. And that was the one thing he'd always pack running shoes and then he'd love it. He'd take his Garmin and it would suggest a route and he'd see, you know, the city and or different places wow. and he just loved it and it's a great way to stay fit when you're on the go right it works i mean even for people it works for people to train sometimes at work because they have a gym where they can change so they just get changed and go for a run over lunch and it just clears your mind you know it's great no equipment needed <laughs> how about the impact on your hips and joints yeah so i mean that's also something that to a degree you can control a little bit with the shoes, depending on, you know, what kind of shoes you get. But yeah, I mean, the hips on your joints, you know, so I'll, I won't lie. It, it's a sport that's, you know, it's a pretty high impact sport, right? Because right. you are putting your full weight at a certain speed onto your um, hips and joints. And there are people for which that can be um, a bit of an issue or particularly if they've had injuries in the past, they need to be careful. On the other hand, like, let's say if somebody does want to train for a race, there are ways of, let's say, doing less running and still being able to train. Like you can cross train, for example, you can do part of your workouts on a bike. You can mm. do parts of them on an elliptical runner or like different ways. Like I have, a, I have one athlete now that's been injured in the past and that person does like one day of swimming and one day of trampolining as part of their workouts you know uh, yeah when uh you know i lost a bunch of weight and i did uh, some triathlons and uh mm. i would you know i would you're not gonna like this but i would learn to uh i hired a coach i'd love i love to swim i tolerated the bike and then i just hated the run because it would kind of be in that order it, it is mm -hmm. in that order mm -hmm. so you know the swim you have all your energy your mm -hmm. bike you know you're going we did a uh, olympic um 
triathlon. So it's about 25, 26 mile bike ride, one mile swim, and then a 10 K. Uh, mm -hmm. but by the time we got to the run, you know, I was pretty exhausted. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. kind of trudging through, um, talk to me about heel strike and like, you know, where you land your foot. I, I just, I, sometimes I see runners as I'm driving by and I, and I it, they kind of look jarred all the time when they're running. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, the, you know, there's people that are like front strikers, heel strikers and mid strikers. And they say yeah. like, depending a little bit how you strike it, it can be a little bit less in terms of injury. Right. Mm. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I believe that the mid, the mid, the mid strike is kind of the one that's least injury prone. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I see it's actually interesting because running form is certainly something that is interesting to watch and to look at. And I know myself, like for, for some years I was carrying a phone when I was running. So sometimes I still run in like kind of an awkward way. Oh. And, you know, it's actually, it's really important that you do kind of watch how you run. And I know people have like, for example, in the past tried to change the way they ran because they maybe had a way that was making them more risk more at risk for injury. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, the way you run can have an impact on how fast you go. It can have an impact on whether you get injured or not. So that's certainly something um, that you want to want to look at, or like, you know, maybe have someone make a little video and just have a look at how you're, how you're running. And, you know, because sometimes, for example, like a more ideal way is that you're arms go forward and backwards and there's yeah. a lot of people that cross over when they run you also lose a lot of efficiency if you cross over like mm. that right so it's better to have your arms go like you know more back and forth and things like that there's like some little things that you can kind of look at but yeah so that's definitely like something that you need to, to watch out for i remember a coach i coached track but i didn't coach any of the, the running but uh for on a, in a high school and i just remember one of the coaches would always say when the, for the runners, the long distance runners, act like you have potato chips in your fingers. Does this make any sense to you? I don't remember wow. why. So <laughs> I've like never you're holding a potato chip, so it uh, wouldn't crash it. I, uh -huh. uh, yeah, maybe not to make the fists. I mean, yeah, you want to be relaxed when you when you run. Maybe it's that the reference to that. Um, mm. I think probably if you're gonna run like that, it's gonna be very uh, uptight, and you need to be like you know low shoulders, shoulders kind of keep yes. your arms down. Yeah. Maybe that was the reference. I'm not sure. I've never heard that. I mean, I ran track for a long time, never had a coach tell me that. Apparently, maybe I made it up. Maybe I just feel like eating no, potato I'm sure chips. you didn't. I'm sure there was some, some really good reference maybe. to it, but I just never heard maybe. it. <laughs> now you said you did the, like the, the sign or the, the, I shouldn't say science, the mentality of running a 400, which of course is just one full lap versus yeah. an 800 versus running a 1600. I mean, they're so different. You, you've got to learn how to pace. You've got to learn. I mean, there's just different kinds. And then the hundred meter, forget it. The, the big thighs and like the just the body styles vary. I mean, but it, and there's jumping over hurdles sometimes. So just it's still all essentially running though. Does yeah, it it's all running. It's all like you said. It's all very very different running. You know, you can go from like the the hundred meter dash all the yeah. way to like the ultra marathon and right. And right. you'll find like you said very different physiques, right? Right. Um, and so you know, being a four hundred meter sprinter. Um, <laughs> I sometimes tell the story and feel like, why'd you tell the story? I'm like, well, you know, we used to do a lot of weightlifting, right? So we were weightlifting about three times a week and I was a very slight person. I mean, I was, you know, I'm about average size, but at that point I weighed about 110 pounds. I was under wow. 110 pounds. I couldn't give blood. I know that. Because, and so I was very, very slender. Right. And, uh, and we used to lift these weights. And by the time I got to like junior year, senior year, like literally it got to the point where when I put regular jeans on, 
I'd sit down and they just split. <laughs> like, like I couldn't fit into regular jeans anymore because my I'd put on so much muscle on my legs, you know, and I was a, like I said, I was a slight person, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't big at all. So it was just like, and I remember one night I was in a, in a friend's um, um, dormitory and she wanted to put a necklace on and she puts this necklace on and realizes it doesn't fit around her neck anymore. <laughs> You know, and so, yeah, the physiques are very different. You know, the the longer distance that people run, the sort of the more slender they tend to be, not as muscular because you don't need as much muscle power. But I also sometimes wonder whether that's changed. You know, I wonder whether they're still weightlifting as much and Mm. uh, doing that much. But yeah, you do run the longer distances and stuff like that, that also then kind of need a lighter body to do that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, these days, golfers weightlift. I mean, everybody weightlifts, yeah. you know? It's just that just having muscle is, is important. But just the mentality, you know, when I would talk to the to, to the sprinters or the runners that were doing the 400 versus the 800, the 800 was specifically, like, pretty grueling, right? Because that first yeah. 400, you're pacing, and, you know, you get to six, and then you start, you know, building and building and building. And, you know, these it seems like some of these runners just kind of have one gear, and it's just very fast. And... um it, it it's uh is running for everybody beverly well you know so i'd say i'd say most people can run right so there's going to be people for which running is not the right sport and you know that's also like you know maybe some people the doctors told them like don't run it's just mm. not for you you know i don't know maybe you've had an injury or maybe it's just really not the right thing for you but i you know my my thoughts on this are that most people can run right and you know th- most people um a lot of people, not most people, but some people will say like, I could, you know, never run a half marathon. And, you know, and I always think, well, you probably could because, but I think maybe your idea of training for half marathon is different than what it needs Mm. to be. Right. Um, so, you know, when people say I I can't run, like I've talked to one runner and he said, you know, when I started running, I couldn't even run to the nearest lamppost outside my house. Right. Like literally he couldn't, he couldn't run that far. And he said, he just started with baby steps. And that's what I was talking about. Like, if you want to build up to run a half marathon, like you could literally start with running 60 seconds at a time. Like Mm. you don't need to start with running 10k at a time you know like you start slow right and like you start wherever your level starts you off and you know i think really i mean there's people that tell me like Bev, i just really don't enjoy running and i was asking well you know how fast do you run when you go running <laughs> because that's kind of one thing that people do is that they'll go out really really fast and think mm. they have to sustain this really long fast pace and i'm like well you know running you should be able to hold a conversation when you run like you shouldn't be like huffing and puffing right, right. and so and that's also i think where people get different ideas about whether they can or can't run right hmm. talk to me about breathing when you're running is it all nose in through the nose out through the mouth <sighs> that's a good question there's different theories on this <laughs> you know that's one thing that um yeah I don't know I don't think I have I I can't give you a lot of information on that I've you know I've spent a little bit of time thinking about it I sometimes watch like what I do but I've not really played that much with the breathing um yeah no I I didn't really do too much with the breathing I'm I'm kind of neutral on that one (laughs) that's right because when you said you have to have a conversation when you're running I'm thinking Uh You know, there are points, you know, I would try last time when I was training and I would, you know, I'd go for a mile, a mile and a half jog. And then, you know, every, I don't know, so interval when I felt like my kind of heartbeat was, was kind of steadying out, plateauing, I would sprint and then slow Mm -hmm. down just to kind of, you know, uh, change my, you know, my heartbeat a little bit. And, um, I was, I was, I ended up being breathing too much through my mouth or, you know, uh, 
you know, through my nose. I just always wondered how that is. But to go for a half marathon, do you do you recommend that kind of sprinting while running? Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's different levels that people start at, but like, you know, let's say if somebody has like a basis of running and it's been running maybe like 5Ks, 10Ks, then the beginning part of your half marathon running preparation could actually be doing like hill sprints, for example, Mm. where you might do like, depending, efforts could be anywhere from like, you know, half a like a half a minute to like a minute minute and a half right going uphill so that would be like one way of building strength in your muscles as well and yeah so if you were doing that type of workout then for that you know at the end of that one and a one and a half minutes or half a minute like you'd be huffing and puffing like pretty big you know Hmm. so um yeah that's definitely the type of training that you might also do if you were like a complete novice then like that might not be part of your training plan it really depends which training plan you pick up but yeah i mean definitely hill sprints or like you know also intervals later um shorter and longer intervals and there you would be breathing in a much more heavy way but you know probably about i'd say i think about 80 percent of your training when you're preparing for half marathon will be at an easy easy pace a conversational pace so you should be able to have a conversation Mm. with somebody like if you're running with a buddy or so you know so you'd be going at a at an easy pace but yeah i mean you do do some faster um interval work later and uh as you you know as you build up in in strength and also speed and with all the technology now, you know, like you said, you were carrying your phone and, you know, it can detect, you know, you put the, you know, I've got a watch that has, it measures my, my pulse and it, it, you put the app on, it told me exactly where I ran and how fast I was going. I mean, all of that is just so, it, it almost gamifies it a little bit. How far fast did you run? And uh, it's just so inviting. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people love that and other people like, I don't want to have any of that. You know, (laughs) there are definitely people out there who just like, I just want to go for a run and enjoy nature. That's perfectly fine too. You know, Mm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'll admit I'm a bit of a sort of gadget person. (laughs) You know, I love technology. I love gadgets. I have a degree in computer science. So gadgets are great for me, you know, and I just, you know, have a, a new Garmin from this year because I upgraded after four years. It was quite old, but, um, you know, it's just, I love to look at my stats at the end of the run and just look at the different things. Like, how did it go? What was my pulse? What was my power? What was like my speed and distance and all that kind of stuff. For some people that's stressful or they might just want to look at one metric or, you know, and I, I, when I train, I try to train at a pretty specific intensity or with purpose. And so I do look down at my watch, you know, quite frequently. And I know other people just don't like to do that. That's Mm. fine too. I mean, you need to find your style. Right. And, you know, I even have a foot bot that measures my running power and I just, that's just me, but you know, it's fine. You don't need to do all that. And there's people that love to look at even more analytics after their run and mm. it's fine. I mean, and it's like, you know, I, I like to run with my phone because sometimes I just like to listen to music and uh, there's people who are like total purists. They're like, you know, I'm not going to listen to any music. That's fine too. That was me when I was training, you know, back then. And now I'm just like, well, you know, I do this for fun. So listening to some music is okay, <laughs> but you know, everyone has their own style and I think everyone just needs to decide what works for them, you know? Yeah, just you know, get out there and and uh, I, st- I kind of started saying in the beginning was uh, you know with with the issue of obesity in this country, just more exercise. You know, if it's going to be running, that's fine. If, if it's going to be anything, just get out there and, and and do what it takes. And that was my next question with music. I mean, I. Uh, by the way, I've got the same watch you do, the same manufacturer, and it, it, it can tell swimming. It, it it tells me distance in golf. It tells me yeah. where I run. I mean, it tells me how how well I sleep and REM. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, it's just this is the information Internet of Things. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely wonderful. And so you take a sabbatical uh, from work. You're at a big, one of the big tech companies. Mm-hmm. And um, halfway through it, you decide to write a book and then you start cramming and then you finish the book. Tell, tell us about that process. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's actually really funny. I mean, the idea was in my head already for so many years, not necessarily the topic. But you know, when I was like six years old, I went to bed one night and I told my mom, I was like, you know, mom, I'm gonna write a book one day. (laughs) And that idea has always been in me, right. And so when I went to primary school, like, I'll tell you, I just was not good in well, I went to school in German first, and then in English, but you know, English and German, or sort of any like, not non foreign language was not good for me. I was not good at reading and writing really not. And uh, so I'm on this sabbatical. And you know, I had made myself a long list of all these things I want to do. And actually writing a book, I don't even think was on the list. But I decided like halfway through, I was like, wait a moment, I've been wanting to do this and I have some time now. So let me just, you know, find out how to do this. So I went online, you know, picked up a couple of resources, um, bought myself a course. And I thought, okay, I'm going to like try this. Right. So um, I start drafting out the book and uh, I made, I made the outline. I started writing. So I had like a, <clears throat> a very, very rough first draft by the time after about a month. So after, but around the time when I went back to work. And, uh, and then I was very, very busy that summer because I was training for another race and I was sort of writing at the same time. My son was still quite young and my husband was traveling away, away abroad for three months, almost straight in three months straight. Wow. So um, I started like not being able to balance everything anymore. <laughs> so um, at some point the, the book just kind of fell off the, the buggy, mm. right? And then um, I went to a conference and I got really inspired and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna like start writing again. So it was like two years later in 2019, in December, I picked up the book again. And then actually it was around that time that I had a, a friend who'd asked me already once, it's like, um, you know, if, she, if I needed a content editor and I thought to myself first time I said, no, because honestly, I didn't even know what a content editor was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I felt embarrassed to ask. And the second time she asked me, I kind of thought, well, let me, let me just like ask her what a content editor does because you know, maybe, maybe I do need one. And, uh, and then she said, uh, she explained it to me and said, Oh, let's have lunch. And like, you know, you can send me your book. I'll read it. And then I'll let you know if we can work together. And so we had this conversation and then she got involved. And, uh, and then I also just realized like what she was going to be able to make magic out of my book. Right. Hmm. And so what I'd written, because what I'd written was pretty basic. Right. And then, uh, we worked together and then by 2021, now in May, we published the book. So, <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. And so now you're a published author. You, you actually coach people in running, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like, because I do this on the side, right. So I don't take on like a ton of, <laughs> a ton right. of clients, but yeah, I do, I do coach a little, but I try to, I also just, I also just spend a lot of time talking to runners and helping them out, like in a kind of more informal way you know not necessarily as directly as clients you know but so i took your quiz uh you know and on your site and so i am stage 2b boomerang yeah tell us what that is okay so a stage 2b boomerang is somebody that used to run and is coming back to running so maybe you've not been running as much lately (laughs) is that possible yes that's very possible yeah. So that would be, yeah, that would be somebody like, you know, that would have been myself when I started in my mid thirties, somebody that did some running back in the day and, you know, little or, or a lot. And, uh, and then coming back to running after, after some, after a break. So, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of, I think one of the, 
one of the challenges I think that I described at this stage is that, you know, sometimes, for example, when I started up again, I still had like my equipment from back in the right. day, 13 years ago. So you kind of like get in the equipment, get the shoes out and it's a really bad idea, but <laughs> you know, and that's like one of the things you kind of got to watch out for if you're a kind of returning runner, because you know, the clothing you're probably okay. It might not be the most modern, might not be the best, you know, wicking effects, but you're probably going to be okay. The shoes I would really recommend that you like, go back to the store and get a new set because also the foam degrades over time. So even if it's a couple of years, like it's probably better to start on new shoes, but yeah. And then of course there's also like a lot of, sometimes also some like emotion that comes up from, you know, either, you know, you've been, for example, for me, having been a sprinter, when I started going out, I would run really fast mm. and I'd be completely out of breath. And then I was talking to my husband and he'd done a lot of distance running. He goes, Bev, I think you're running too fast. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, I wonder. And so like I started working out like, okay, how fast should I be running? And like learned about the training zones. I was like, wow, okay. You know, when you're training on a team, like the coach tells you how fast to go from here to here. And you never think about anything like that, right? But when you're training on your own, you got to think about how fast do I run? Like how far am I going to run? Like you got to think about all these things, right? Yeah. Very interesting because because I have a friend who just picked up running and they got some of those fo that, that foam shoe and they just, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, it's like running on pillows. It's on, mm -hmm. you know, it's the technology has just changed so much. And, yeah. uh, and do you see yourself, are you, are you training for a half marathon right now? Yeah, I am training for one right now. So, um, I was going to run one in two weeks, but I have to admit I had to take my training back a little so i'll do a 10k in two weeks and then i'll do a, a half marathon in about a month and uh, one month and a half yeah so and have you ever done a full no i never have and i probably won't for the next couple of years just because my son is still pretty young and i like to mm. spend time with the family it's a very large time commitment is my impression so I, li I like the half marathon because it's very doable it's also the recovery time afterwards is not as long and mm. i just feel like it's also a distance that's you know manageable for me time-wise to train for so. And how long do you have to train ahead of time for a half marathon? Yeah, it really depends where you pick up. You know, if you've kind of been running uh, a little bit, maybe you've done a 5K or you can run about half an hour at a time, then you're probably okay to train for about 12 to 16 weeks, depending with how much you kind of what your mileage is at oh. the moment. Um, and then if you're, let's say, starting from completely off the couch, um, then you'd want to add something like, um, you know, uh, the ha uh, couch to 5K program or like the run your butt off program, uh, not, uh, run your butt off plan. Uh, from runner's world for example those are like nine to 12 weeks so you'd want to add that in front um and you know you might want to give yourself a little bit of transition time in between so run some extra miles but so you know you'd be around if you're co completely coming off the couch probably like let's say you know 16 plus let's say 12 to put on the safe side you know so around 28 weeks and if you were running a little bit 16 to 12 12 to 16 weeks and the regimen each week is is it how often yeah. So it really depends what plan you pick up. I mean, you can find plans. So I've seen plans that like, um, you know, you could probably do, I'd say probably threes the least, but you know, you, you'd expect to run between four to five times a week, um, mm. would be my guess. I think that if you're starting off in the beginning with the catch to 5k, you'll be running about three times a week, but, um, for a half marathon to spread the mileage, you'll probably be running four to five times a week. That'd be sort of a, a low volume plans, maybe four and a higher volume plan about five. And you plan on continuing to do this well until, until you can't anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, so I've been super lucky. I have to say, I, I've, you know, I've really suffered very, very few running injuries um, for all the time I've been running. I mean, knock on wood, you know, um, I've been lucky. So I plan to keep running for as long as I can, you know, I just, it makes me feel so good. You know, it's one of those things where I also feel like my brain ticks at like the best speed and the best uh, creativity mm. level when I'm running. Um, so I always say, you know, as long as I can run, I'm going to run. And otherwise I'm going to switch to, I don't know, cycling or swimming or something, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I just, it's great. Talk about that. Your creativity level. You think of things when you're running. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. It kind of gives you perspective. And like, I, sometimes I don't really have the capacity to think when I'm running. I mean, especially when I'm doing like the faster workouts, but sometimes like on a long run, I also try to think up, you know, what am I going to write as in my newsletter this week? Or, mm. you know, I get like ideas and I start and the, you have time to think because, you know, if you're running like at a leisurely pace, it's a good time. It's also time that you have for yourself. I mean, that's a little bit less of a problem as the kids get older. My son is 11 now, but you know, when I was, when my son was very young, it was also just a nice uh, thing to do for myself. And I had mm. this time to like, just think and, and be on my own, you know, but yeah, you get, you get creative and you, you kind of have time to think because you're, you're out there for quite a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have one friend who doesn't like to run because he says it gives me too much time to think. Mm -hmm. So he needs uh something that takes up, but I have others that just say, I love it. They come up with ideas. They're just kind of alone. They turn the ringer off on their phone, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, they're kind of off the grid. And uh, so I lost a lot of weight, as I mentioned before, and people always ask me how I did it. And so I always say discipline. I got focused. I had discipline. I do it. I wonder, does discipline, how it plays a role in your life in running and writing the book and your profession? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, discipline is super important, I think, in, in my life as well. And, you know, I always say sometimes I have too much and sometimes too little, right? Mm. I mean, there's there's one thing for me is, so when I really want to do something, I like, I think I can be become over-disciplined, right? So I always say mm. I do it at all costs, you know, and that's a little bit the risk. So sometimes I'm a little bit scared to really engage because I'm like, you know, I'm going to pull this through no matter what, you know? And so, yeah, no discipline, but, you know, to get stuff done and especially like if you have a busy life, you know, I'm one of these people, I work 100%. I have a, you know, a family, I have hobbies. <clears throat> um, so you've got to balance stuff and like, so you have to be disciplined. And, you know, I also say with my running, it's like, if you just decide not to train for two weeks, well, it's hard to make progress towards your race, then nice. you can't move the race, you know? So yeah. And also with work, you know, you've got to schedule everything in and you've got to get all done. It takes a lot of discipline to also, and easiest is also just if you have routines and follow routines, right? That's also kind of a part of discipline. And interesting enough, that's something that I learned as a mother, because, you know, I had never in my life thought of like what a routine is or having a routine. And I remember when my son was maybe just a couple of weeks old, um, my mother-in-law, who's really brilliant, was helping me with, with the baby. And, uh, and she said, you know, Beverly, I really think you need a routine. And I thought to myself, a routine? I was like, no way. Like, I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> you know? mm. And as I started building these routines, things became a lot easier. And it's also a lot easier to, for me to be disciplined when I do things in one order and kind mm. of have a similar order. And there is actually one thing with running that can throw me off every, about every half year. And that is that my routine changes between winter and summer because of the daylight savings and also because of the temperature. So like, hmm. you know, a lot of times in the winter, I'll go running over lunch because that's the most pleasant temperature and running in the morning or evening is a bit trickier because it's dark. 
But then in the summer, I don't want to go running over lunch because it's really hot. So <laughs> I go running in the morning, try to go running in the morning. So the routine kind of changes. And that's one thing where you have to be super disciplined, where I also always have to tell myself ahead of time, okay, this change is coming up. You know, you got to be ready for this. You know, you also got to change your clothing when you go running at different times of day and just preparing yourself for that. It's fascinating to me that you equate discipline with routine. I've never heard that angle before, Beverly. That's very interesting because once you're set, uh, there's a one book, Atomic Habits, and uh, they say kind of couple something to create. It, for me, it's much, it's easier to start a routine than mm -hmm. it is to kind of break one. So uh, like I wanted to floss more. So I say, okay, I'm going to start flossing after I brush my teeth every time. So when you kind of mm -hmm. couple it together, it's easier to, to, to reproduce. Uh, very interesting angle. When you do your half marathons, do you have a time that you want to beat each time? Yeah. So normally as I get towards the end of the training and it's clear about where I stand with the training, I'll definitely set myself a time. And it's actually interesting. I also wrote this uh, in my book because I remember what the first time when I was preparing for half marathon, I ran a 10K before the half marathon. And I told my husband, I was like, okay. So he's like, well, what, you know, what time are you going to run on the 10K? And, and I was like, you know, it's going to be like, I'm going to try and do an hour, right? And, uh, and he was so excited that he told um, these uh -oh. friends that we were going to visit that weekend. And, uh, and he told, you know, a couple other friends. And then I went to the race and I completely fell apart on the race. <laughs> Probably everything that could have gone wrong just went wrong. Like my watch didn't work. Um, I started way too fast. And so anyway, I fell apart. I did like 101. So like it wasn't even that bad of a time. But then somebody made a comment that I thought was really discouraging. And I was like, okay, so from now on, I'm not going to tell anyone my real time, what I want to get. So I'll always have like two times. I'll have one that I tell people that I think <laughs> <laughs> and one that I tell my husband that he promises me not to tell anyone. And then we go with that, <laughs> you know, because then he holds me accountable for that time. But at the same time, I don't have to come back embarrassed if I completely mess up the race, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he felt terrible about that. That's so funny. You know, I, I, I'm in technology too. And sometimes for customers, we have to give them estimates on how long, you know, it's going to, to complete a task. And my, I ask, when I ask the engineers, they have best intentions in mind, but I always double what they say because there's yeah. always going to be more. And, you know, yeah. so like yourself, there's one and then there's one I tell others and then there's an actual one. Uh, yeah. Even when I lost the, the weight, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want, you know, I didn't, if I didn't make it, I didn't want, you know, to kind of hear it, but it's, uh, it's very interesting what you have to do to kind of, to kind of trick yourself and others. Uh, that's, that's an interesting, interesting angle. And a lot of, a lot of, it's interesting how discipline plays a, a role in that. How, so you, you decide my goal with my triathlons was just to finish. Yeah. But at the end, the last two, I, I think I had five hours. I forget now, four hours, five hours, but, and I, and I actually beat it by one minute. It was, it was crazy yeah. to think, but I did at the end start, um, you know, start pushing goals like that. When you do that, when you have a goal in mind, do you train differently? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, it, it's a good question. I mean, I think, no, I would say for me, I don't just because I tend to base my goal off of where I am, but I would say more that if I'm being very serious about reaching a certain 
goal, then I, I'll probably be a little more disciplined about my training, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it's, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, it's also very difficult when you start out when you're, you know, when you're 16 weeks away, like you don't really, you can't, it's very difficult for me to tell, okay, I'm going to hit this goal. So I tend to do it about two, three, four weeks before I set the goal. And then, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I try to stay with the training and that's really how I try to get there. But I'd say, I, I think part of it is really just doing the workouts and doing them to the best of your ability. So yeah, I mean, you could say, if you're really trying to reach your goal, you're going to have to really be, you know, good about doing your training and doing it properly in proper form and you know with at the intensity levels that you have to do them and not just saying like oh tonight i'm tired i'm not gonna go for a run you know but just you know i love looking in training peaks i send all my workouts to training peaks and i love it when i see like all this green and it's like all the workouts are done you know because the ones you don't do come up in red and i love it when it's just like all green Mm. like that's my little um gamification thing (laughs) when you were when you were running in school, when you were a collegiate athlete, was, yeah. was did you was discipline part of routine as well then? No, you know, routine is like a word that didn't appear in my mm-hmm. <laughs> vocabulary probably until I became a mom, you know. Right. But I think the discipline there is totally different because you're running with a team, so like mm. it's your job to turn up every day and to turn up in, you know, in the right shape to run, right? So <clears throat> I think college, I think college was pretty hard for me. I mean, I ended up, you know, not getting a lot of sleep in college because I really ended up programming most nights, you know, as a computer science major. But so I probably wasn't in best form with every workout that I showed up for. But, you know, I think you have a commitment to the team and you also want to make progress. You're investing so much time. I mean, we were we were training a lot of hours, right? So you do want to come in best form. But I I think the discipline there is just showing up and showing up in shape and putting in your hardest work that day, right? I'm going to guess the language that you were programming in late at night. Given your age, I'm going to say it was C. It was just switching from C to C++. Ah, <laughs> so I started okay. college in 1997. Yeah. But that was a pretty okay. good guess. It was just yeah. phasing out. We were just going to C++. just phasing out. Yeah. Yeah. C++ is very, very fast. Very. Yeah. I, I have computer science major as well. And uh, I remember those, uh, those nights. Um, Beverly, Asante, Pushman, what motivates you? What motivates me? Wow. Well, there's a lot of things that motivate me, right? But I think, you know, one thing that motivates me is I think when I can see people change their life for the better. Mm. And, you know, whether that's in by making people realize something in their private life or even at work, you know, I think sometimes you can have a conversation even at work where you talk to a mentee and it changes a perspective. And I think that's a little bit the same with, you know, what I love to do in my, in my, in my free time talking to runners. And, you know, at lunchtime, we sometimes talk about running people ask me oh about your book and stuff like that, you know, and I just love to have conversations with people um, that I feel have an impact on people and, uh, and see people, you know, uh, gain a different perspective on something, you know, and, and seeing people reach goals and yeah, do something new, you know? It's, it's so wonderful that, that I know I do. And it seems like you do as well. I I just do so much better when my friends are doing well, you know, when I see my friends and my loved ones doing well, and maybe I'm part of that success, maybe I'm not, but it's just when they do better, it just seems like we all do better together. It's just so rewarding. 
Yeah, I mean, it is really rewarding to see people grow and flourish. And, you know, I think those those moments that are just so precious are when, when you talk to somebody and they kind of have this light in their face because they've mm. made this realization of even just by having a conversation, they realized something maybe about themselves or about something that they'd been thinking about. Or, you know, I think those are the moments that are really just so wonderful, right? And and I love it when, when I have conversations or even for myself, you know, sometimes I talk to somebody and I gain a new perspective. I'm like, wow, I never thought about mm. that, you know, problem or thing in that way. And it's just so, so brilliant, you know? <laughs> yeah, we have to keep learning. It's the number one reason why I love talking to people like yourself. I mean, uh, uh, you know, who have a passion for running, who who take it in so many different levels to write. I mean, there are people who like running and that, that's it. But, but what did you do? You, you're helping others do it. You wrote a book, you're, you're, you know, promoting it, you know, itself. And, uh, that's what, that's what makes this conversation makes uh, great and was makes you great too, by the way, I might add, how do you measure uh -huh. success? How do I measure success? Wow. That's a really hard question. Yeah. You know, that's, um, it always, you know, how do I measure success for myself or for other people? For myself, yeah. Let's start both. Let's go both. Let's start with you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think if, how do I measure success for myself? I mean, that's, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot about how I want, you know, for example, my son to grow up or, you know, how, how do I, how do I feel like I'm going to be a successful parent? Like for me, that's like, if he grows up and is able to do what he wants to do, like enable him what he wants to do. Right. And then when it comes to like running, I mean, I just tell myself, okay, well, look, I want to keep running and want to feel good. So like, even for me, just feeling good. Like if I don't make that time on that next race, like that's okay too. Like I set myself a goal to try and get there, yeah. but if I don't meet it, that's okay. Um, but I think it's, I think success is also for me, I just, I just want to have an impact on people's life, you know? Mm. And if I can see that people's lives change and that they change for the better and that I'm able to change situations for the better and make something, you know, tick better or that that's, that's how I measure success for myself, you know? Yeah, that's wonderful. That That's wonderful. And, uh, you know, when I, when, when I heard your people reached out and I, I, I started looking into you, started reading and I said, well, this is going to be great to see here's somebody who has a passion for running instead of just doing it themselves. Like you, you wrote a book, you're sharing your passion. And, you know, if we can help, uh, you know, others hear this message, get out and exercise. If it's running, share your passion with Beverly of running, whatever it may be, but just share it and, uh, and, and, and be better. Thank you so much for your time today, Beverly. This was great. How can we, how can we get your book? How can we get in touch with you if we wanted to? Yeah. So to get the book, you can actually buy it on Amazon, but also a lot of other online bookstores. It's called Ace the Half. My name is Beverly Asante Pushman, spelt the German way. <laughs> right. So uh, that's how you can find it. And uh, my website is ilovetorunandrace.com. And you can also find a link to the book there. And the other place you can find me is on the Facebook page, which is um, www.facebook.com forward slash I love to run and race. So you can find me there too. <laughs> I love to run and race. Yeah. Ace the half, ace the half marathon. Ace the half. And on your website, I encourage everybody to take that quiz. 
you give a great response, you go through, you know, you, you're, you get an email, you give a great video response as your score, and uh, you do a really great job there. You've got great content. Beverly, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope if I get out there to see my cousins in southern Switzerland, I uh, go north and maybe we can have, uh, well, I guess we'll be coffee in Zurich, but hot chocolate. I always think of chocolate. When I think oh, so. we have a great place to have hot chocolate. I'll take yeah, you to course. this really good place. Yes. <laughs> Beverly, thank you so much. You be well. Thank you very much, Joey. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? you be the judge you can go to our paypal account to do that as well thank you again for listening or watching joey pin's discipline conversation